When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast back from the bye week with a Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast. So Mary Kay Cabot answers questions from our Football Insider subscribers about Baker Mayfield, about the offense, and about how the last five games could play out for this football team. Hey, if you're not a Football Insider subscriber, you should be over these last five weeks and then going into the offseason, whenever that is, whether it's at the end of the regular season, after the playoffs, whenever the offseason is, we don't stop. We don't stop bringing you Football Insider content. So cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page, a newsletter delivered to your inbox every single day, access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash Browns, and of course, you can become one of our text subscribers. Again, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Okay, here we go. Back at it after the bye week, our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And here we go on the Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Back at it after uh, taking a little Monday off here on the podcast schedule. And Mary Kay, let's get right to it. From our Football Insider subscribers in the 330 area, but actually Stephen Suffield. Hey Mary Kay, are you expecting a big game? from Baker Mayfield, sort of like when they came back from the bye last year? Well, you know, that's a great question. And the Browns seem really confident that Baker Mayfield is going to come back and play his best ball down the stretch. Now, I do think there are some reasons why he may be better in the final five games than we have seen him be lately. Uh, and some of those things include health. I think Baker should feel better. I think Kareem should feel better. I think Donovan Peoples-Jones should feel better. We don't know if Anthony Schwartz is going to be back. He's still in the concussion protocol. Maybe by the end of the week, he'll be back as well. So I think getting a lot of guys healthier will help Baker Mayfield a lot. Now, having said that, uh, there are two issues that I think could cause some problems. And uh, that is Jed Wills and Blake Hans, or whoever's going to start at right tackle in place of Jack Conklin. If Baker Mayfield uh, does not have time to throw the ball and is getting pressured a lot, uh, then it, it could be, these could be long games for him. So that's going to be the key. They're going to have, have to have a good, quick, short passing game. Now, if Baker's a little bit more mobile, that will help him a lot. Um, but having said all that, to answer the question, I think he's going to come out and fare much better against the Baltimore Ravens than he did in the last meeting. Number one, Marlon Humphrey is out for the rest of the season. That leaves them without three of their four starting defensive backs that they had at the start of the season. Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, their two top cornerbacks, and their starting safety in Deshaun Elliott. So they are going to have to play out of their minds in the secondary in order to, um, in, in order to, try to overcome the loss of all these key guys. Um, So I do think the opportunities are going to be there for Baker to do much, much better in the passing game. Um, But guys are also going to have to hang on to the football. Now in the last game, if you recall, Donovan Peoples-Jones dropped a pass. Demetrik Felton dropped a pass. 
David Njoku dropped a pass and Austin Hooper dropped a pass. So if he has that kind of performance again from his receivers, and I don't absolve him from all the blame from those dropped passes either. Some of them, not all of them. I think some of them have to do with whatever. There, but when there's that much of a disconnect between a quarterback and all the guys who pa- catch the passes from him, something has to be put onto the quarterback shoulders. I don't know if it's ball placement. I don't know if it's ball speed. I don't know if it's whatever, but, um, but I, I don't absolve Baker of all that, but the receivers have to come through for him and do a much better job. If they can hang onto the ball, he should have a pretty big game against, as I've said a thousand times before, the 31st ranked pass defense in the NFL now worse without Marlon Humphrey. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately we saw what this pass offense looks like against the 31st ranked pass defense in the NFL. And it, it wasn't pretty. Um, I, I think the Browns have to figure out how to run the football against this team. I, you know, I think that's kind of where it starts. And if they can do that and put Baker in a position where he can be more efficient, that's kind of where it begins. So I guess we just have to like, what's a big game for Baker Mayfield. I, I don't know this. Steve didn't make it real clear what he kind of sees as a big game. If we're thinking 300 yards and four touchdowns, I'd, I'd be hard pressed to think that's going to happen. That would really come out of nowhere. But if it's a really efficient, almost like Cincinnati like performance from a few weeks ago, I could see that if they can get that running game going somehow, mm-hmm. because I, I think, I'm curious to see how the Ravens play this Browns team, because I know on Sunday they were not putting 10 guys in the box over and over again. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious to see if they kind of run it back like that and see if the Browns can adjust or if they're able to, um, if they're able to kind of, if they do something different, I guess, off the top to kind of throw, throw something at the Browns that maybe they weren't expecting. Well, Dan, the other thing is, although Marlon Humphrey is leaving the lineup, Calais Campbell is coming back to the lineup and Calais Campbell really is one of their best defensive players right now with all the guys that have been lost due to injuries. And, uh, you know, he, he's the big six foot eight mammoth, you know, man mountain of a defensive player who can get his hands up. So if they can hem in Baker Mayfield and start, uh, you know, getting their hands on some footballs and things like that, uh, then it could be a long afternoon for Baker Mayfield, because then he, you know, would he have the time to take those shots downfield and take advantage of the issues in the secondary? That will be key. We saw what Tyus Bowser was able to do uh, to even just to, to Blake Hans coming off that uh, the right tackle side. So um, I think the Browns are concerned about that to the point where in fact, Kevin Stefanski wouldn't commit to Blake Hans today as his starting right tackle. Now, some of that might be gamesmanship, Maybe they're just trying to make it seem like uh, they're trying to figure things out over there so that they can't just game plan for Blake Hans. Or maybe uh, they are going to try something like James Hudson or Alex Taylor or something else. Uh, because we now know uh, that Blake Hans is, is going to struggle in pass pro, especially against Atias Bowser. And they'll just keep coming at it. But I do think that a little bit of Marlon Humphrey being lost is offset by Calais Campbell coming back. And of course, Jack Conklin leaving the lineup. So uh, that could have a big impact in this game, but certainly the potential is there. I mean, if you can get the ball downfield to Donovan people's Jones, if Anthony Schwartz comes back and you can take some of those shots and they hang on and catch the ball, you know, 
that's the two touchdown passes you're going to need to win this game. Yeah, I thought it was I, th- I thought it was interesting just looking back at that game how you know they Baltimore made it clear the way they were going to attack the passing game was to um, to really put pressure on Mayfield and kind of like you said hem him in and, and make sure he couldn't escape, make sure he couldn't see, and and just completely overwhelm him. And that, that's a big part of what happened. And, and the the reality is they got a touchdown that maybe shouldn't have been a touchdown. They might only scored three points in that game. (laughs) That is so true, Dan. I was thinking about that because we've had, you know, like there have been a lot of people saying, well, you know, this, this guy dropped the ball and this happened and that happened. The truth of the matter is, and Kevin Stefanski even admitted it had the call on the field had been uh, an incompletion that would have stood. There certainly would not have been evidence to overturn that and turn it into a touchdown catch because it hit the ground. You saw it hit the ground. I saw it hit the ground. (laughs) We all saw it hit the ground, right? So, I mean, I think the truth of the matter is that they didn't, and it wasn't a great throw. I think the truth of the matter is that they didn't score that touchdown and that they did only score three points. So they've got a ways to go. They've got a ways to go, but they had an extra week to game plan for the Baltimore Ravens. Now, I'm sure the Baltimore Ravens weren't uh, lax enough to forget that they had to put some different things in the game plan for the Cleveland Browns even before they played the Steelers. So while they were game planning for the Browns the first time around, they had to have their sights set on this second meeting coming up two weeks later. There had to be some thought to, we got to mix it up a little bit. We're going to be able, we're going to have to change things up. So I'm sure they're going to have something, uh, something up their sleeves. And um, I mean, things, you, you know, you can't really necessarily count on Lamar Jackson throwing four interceptions, but he looks so challenged lately that I can't honestly say that he won't throw four interceptions in this game too. You know what I mean? What yeah. he's not, what he's not going to be able to do in this game is throw it to Mark Andrews every single time. He's not going to be able to do that because the Browns have figured that out. They have that down. They're going to need to make sure. And Marquise Brown caught passes in the, in the previous game. They're going to need to make sure that they use a little bit more of Sammy Watkins, plenty more of Devonte Freeman, plenty more of Marquise Brown. They, they're going to have to mix it up. If, if they want to try and beat the Browns in this next game, which is vital. For, for both teams. It's such a big game. I mean, it is such a big game. If the Ravens want to try to win the division, they got to win this game. If the Browns want to keep their playoffs hopes realistically alive, they've got to win this game. Okay. More on Baker here from the 970 area code, uh, Kevin in Loveland, Colorado. Uh, hey, Mary Kay, you made mention of Baker's body language in terms of play calling. What do you think he would prefer Stefanski to call with more frequency? And likely this is something that both parties have been thinking through o- over the last week. You know, I just get the sense that, that Baker Mayfield would have liked more, you know, more three wides, maybe some no huddle, maybe some more downfield passing, more, more of a game plan that features and showcases uh, just a little bit more quarterback driven, right? Just something that says, hey, we've got the number one overall pick in the country in 2018, and we're going to put the ball in his hands, and we're going to trust him, and we're going to let him be a playmaker, and we're going to let him throw, and we're going to let him be aggressive. They have really minimized his ability to be super aggressive, 
I mean, he only has six interceptions at this point in the season and maybe a few more interceptions uh, would have been worth the few more touchdowns that may have come along with it. So I just think that he probably thinks that they're not being aggressive enough with him and letting him be the, the playmaker that he is. Now they might look at that and say, well, you're not that guy this year. Like you can't complete your passes of 20 yards or, or more with any consistency. And you don't have Aldo Beckham, Aldo Beckham Jr. anymore. And Jarvis Landry hasn't been himself that much. And we don't, with Odell gone, we don't have Anthony Schwartz to stretch the field. So, um, you know, there, I think it's philosophical. I think there's a philosophical disconnect between the coaching staff and what they think Baker is capable of right now and what Baker thinks he's capable of right now. Now, maybe they will have had a meeting of the minds a little bit and come each other's way a bit in the bye week. Here's one reason why they can try to open it up a little bit more in the next five games. The Baltimore Ravens do not get interceptions and neither do the Pittsburgh Steelers and neither do the, the Raiders. Okay. Heading into yesterday's games, the Steelers and the Ravens were tied for second fewest interceptions in the NFL with five. The Raiders had the fewest interceptions in the NFL with four. Therefore, if you are worried about Baker Mayfield throwing picks, and this is a big issue with this coaching staff, they hate interceptions. When you play these teams, you're not going to worry about that that much. You don't have to worry about it, especially now with Marlon Humphrey out and Marcus Peters and Deshaun Elliott. I mean, they just don't have the guys necessarily that they, that can do that. Now, Chuck Clark had an interception right in his hands in that Baltimore game and he dropped it. So, um, you know, I do think that Kevin Stefanski will be willing to take some more chances in these next five games, and that will make Baker happy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a, a delicate balance. And I just, when I think of Gunslinger Baker, I think of 2018, when every good defense they played, he threw three interceptions. And then 2019, when he looked like Jameis Winston, it just, it. I can see why this coaching staff might be a little nervous to do that, but they might be forced into it just because you can't run the 13 personnel anymore. Like mm-hmm. just, you can, you're going to have to throw that out because whoever they call up to be that third tight end, isn't going to give you not that Harrison Bryant is, you know, the difference between making the playoffs or not, but he's at least a, a playable, he's a playable tight end. And I don't know who they're going to use to replace him. So I, I think we're going to see, they're going to have to go away from that 13 personnel, whatever that looks like. Well, yeah, either that or, you know, do you play Johnny Stanton in some of those roles at times? I mean, maybe they try to do something like that um, because 13 personnel is a staple of their offense this season. And when you think about the fact that they are having tackle issues and significant tackle issues, you're going to need to keep some guys in there who can block. And I think that's one of the reasons why they have played a, you know, a significant amount of 13 personnel is to help keep Baker Mayfield upright uh, this season in a season when they are somewhat tackle challenged and when he is a little bit banged up and maybe not moving as well. Now, after the bye week, is Baker Mayfield going to be, you know, more mobile enough with the heel healed up and the knee healed up from the contusions that, you know, can they try to to move him around a little bit more and roll him out a little bit more. Maybe they can from a physical standpoint, but I think teams have, have done a really good job of, of taking that away. 
And I think that's been a big reason that Baker Mayfield hasn't been as good this year as he was last year. Last year, every time you looked out there, you looked up, he was effortlessly rolling out one way or the other, mostly to the left, rolling out and nailing that pass on the run. And he had all the time out there in the world to get it done. Nobody in his face, no problem. Those days are over, okay? They're either going out there with him and trying to mess him up, or they're keeping him from getting out there largely. And I think that the Baltimore Ravens will try to do that again. So they're going to have to try to find a way to, to combat that. And I'm, I think there are a lot of different things that they can do in this game. Um, again, they are so challenged in the back end uh, that, I mean, you're just going to have to take some shots. You're going to have to take some shots. Uh, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger looked pretty good against this Ravens secondary yesterday, right? I mean, he had 111.8 rating. If he can do that, certainly Baker Mayfield can make some things happen in the passing game against this defense if he has the time to do it. Yeah, I, th I think that's the key. I think it's, you know, the thing about Big Ben, even though it's, it's kind of the corpse of Big Ben, he's still big. And, yeah. and Baker and Baker is not. And I think that was a big issue on uh, on Sunday night. So we had a couple wide receiver questions. This comes from SL Smith uh, in DF Dallas Fort Worth area in Texas. Uh, hey, Mary Kay, is the passing game to wide receivers just not a strong point of this coaching staff in this system? Uh, you know, I'm not going to believe that. No, I think they came into this season uh, believing that they were going to have a good Jarvis Landry, a really good Odell Beckham Jr., a, a good enough Rashard Higgins, a better Donovan Peoples-Jones, a promising young Anthony Schwartz. And it didn't happen that way. It just did not go that way. Obviously, Odell's gone. Jarvis was hurt. You know, Jarvis, for whatever reason, uh, has struggled to get separation at times. He's getting better. but uh, had to work his way through some things. Rashard Higgins has fallen off the map to the point where I have to wonder if Rashard or Jarvis will be back on this football team next year. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, he has missed, I think it's three games now with a groin injury. Okay. And that, you know, that hurts you. And I don't know that he's completely been himself since he first injured the groin. Okay. He just hasn't 100% looked like he's been all there. And then we know exactly what happened with Anthony Schwartz. He's missed the past two games with a concussion. It, even when he was playing, he was working off of a hamstring injury that really crushed his season. So I just don't think that this receiving core is anywhere near what they thought it was going to be at all. And I think they're going to have to have major upgrades in the offseason. I also think it makes it tough to completely uh, get a great evaluation of Baker Mayfield because the receiving court was so challenged. So another question uh, about the receiving position and, and sort of how it's played out. Uh, this comes from Megan in Pittsburgh. Hey, Mary Kay, does the state of the receiving room slash offense right now call into question Andrew Barry's quiet trade deadline, or is that purely hindsight being 2020? Well, you know, one thing that I would have done, and Dan, you might remember, the minute that Rashard Perriman was let go. I said, keep an eye on him for the Cleveland Browns. Why? Because he was at least another deep threat, another body to throw out there that has some prior history with Baker Mayfield. And, um, you know, he, you know, those two guys connected pretty well when Rashard Perriman was here. 
So I thought that would have been a smart move. Didn't he just sign with the Dolphins? Was it? No. Yeah, he was on somebody's practice squad. I can't remember who it was. I think he got called up. I'll, I'll look it up here. I can't remember. He, he just signed with someone. But, but anyways, I thought that he was somebody that they should have thrown onto the team. Now, a lot's happened. He's, uh, he's back with the Bucks. He was okay. on their practice squad and he got promoted. Okay, so there you go. He's good enough for the Super Bowl <laughs> defending champions, but whatever. Um, but, you know, a lot, a lot has happened, you know, since he was here catching deep passes from Baker Mayfield, a few of them. And now, I mean, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't been super, super productive recently, but I still thought that he was somebody that could go in there for you and at least give a defense something to think about on the deep ball over the past few weeks. That didn't happen. Um, yeah, from a trade standpoint, I think that they just thought that they would probably once Odell left that they would be okay with Jarvis, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Anthony Schwartz, and Richard Higgins. I don't know that they quite realized that everybody was going to kind of struggle all in the same season, even at that point. So that's the only thing that I would fault them for is at least not giving Perriman a shot. Okay. Another offensive question. And this is something that came up, uh, came up today a, a few times with Kevin and I always kind of laugh when it comes up because I feel like we've been talking about this since all the way back and forever ago when, when the two first teamed up. Uh, but we did have a texter ask about it too. So it's obviously on all of our minds in the media, and it's obviously on this texter's mind uh, from the 330 area code. Hey, Mary Kay, to add a spark, what do you think of the Browns playing two of their best playmakers? Now, the suggestion here is playing two of their best playmakers on almost every offensive play. We don't have to go to that extreme. But this person is asking about Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. So the question of the day for Kevin and even Kareem was, should he and Nick Chubb play more together? So what do you think? I've always felt that they should be on the field together more often because to me, it makes so much sense. I mean, you can, this offense in some ways is predicated upon sort of marrying the run with the pass and making it confusing. And we don't know what, what you guys are doing. Well, what a better way to do that than throw Kareem Hunt on the field, right? I mean, he absolutely is the embodiment of run or pass. We don't know. So I would have them on the field more. And I, I, I don't see how you don't do that in this game. I mean, I feel like you kind of have to, but they've been resistant to it for whatever reason. One of the re those reasons I think is because uh, they really like to alternate them and keep those guys fresh and have that Nick Chubb being ready to run down your throat for 80 yards in the fourth quarter. So um, I think that's really been a huge part of it, but I don't know. I think it's a wasted opportunity and maybe that's one of those things that they looked at during the bye week and said, geez, why don't we do some more of this? So we'll see if they do it. Kareem obviously is all for it. I asked him today, what are the pros and cons? He said, all pros, no cons. <laughs> he was like, let's, let's do it. Dial it up. I'm there. So, you know, so we'll see if they actually do it. They absolutely 100% should, because once again, now you've got Harrison Bryan out. You've got, uh, now you, get, you have to run some different kinds of formations and your receivers haven't been what you hoped they would be. So why not get more Kareem out there? Yeah, well, and, and now too, with the emergence, you know, knowing you have a guy in Dearness Johnson that you can give a series to and he'll be fine. That, that almost makes it even more palatable to put those two guys together because you don't have to worry as much about keeping them fresh because like you can just, like I said, you can give Dearness a series and 
like he's shown, you know, is he going to do what Nick Chubb does or what Kareem Hunt does? No, of course not. But he, he can carry the football. He, he can work in this system. Absolutely. Now, this is a good run defense they're coming up against in the Baltimore Ravens, and it will probably be a little bit better with Calais Campbell out there. Um, but like you said, you still can use Dearness Johnson to give those other two guys a blow so that everybody is staying fresh for the fourth quarter. And if they don't run the ball the way they couldn't run the ball last time, everybody's going to be really fresh in the fourth quarter because they got whatever, 14 carries or something like that in the last game. And I just, I always try to look at it. Like what scares you if you're a defensive coordinator? Like, what's the thing that if I'm looking at the Browns offense, what's like, what weapons on this offense scare me? And I'm scared of Jarvis Landry and, and kind of what he can is versatility, but he's banged up. And then beyond that, it's kind of, it's kind of just Nick and Kareem. So why not really use those guys as much as possible? Yeah, exactly. 100%. And the other guy that I would add in there right now is when he's feeling pretty good is Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, is, you know, a sneaky, scary player, um, or he has been to a degree. He has not played as well uh, with the groin injury, but he should be somebody in this particular game coming up that if you put him on whatever backup defensive backs they're going to have out there uh, replacing uh, whoever is going to be replacing Marlon Humphrey, and they had other couple of other guys out last week with illnesses and injuries, they are so banged up back there. Um, but Donovan Peoples-Jones is somebody that you should be able to hit some big plays to this week. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess what I mean by that is like, no matter what I do, like Nick and Kareem and Jarvis can find a way to make a play, right? right. I, I feel like with, with Donovan Peoples-Jones, he's not quite to that level yet, but he is a guy like in the right matchup, if you forget about him, if he gets free, there's a 60-yard touchdown. So yeah, certainly to that degree. And, you know, and, and some of the tight ends are kind of like that too. If you kind of forget about them or if they, if they sneak through, they're going to burn you for something big. But it, it's really those three guys that I look at and say, you know, and having three of those guys is pretty significant that I look at and say, hey, no matter what I do, that guy can still beat me. Yes, you're absolutely right about that. And you know who else should be in that category, Dan, and isn't in that category? Guess who I'm thinking of? I, I have a guess. Is it David Njoku? It's actually Austin Hooper. You're Austin 10 and Hooper. a half. We were right? at the same position. Yeah. You're 10 and a half million dollar tight end. You're 10 and a half million dollar tight end should be a fail proof yeah. go to guy like a Mark Andrews, right? I mean, that's kind of what you paid for. You, you paid for, you went out and bought yourself a Mark Andrews type of guy, or, or so you probably thought, right? And for whatever reason, it has not turned out that way uh, between Baker and Austin or in this offense or whatever the case may be. Uh, but, but that player himself should be right in that category that you just mentioned, a veteran two-time Pro Bowl guy, right? A two-time Pro Bowler who has a tremendous resume should be in that category of can't miss plays, and got to have him on the field every single time. And the truth of the matter is, more often than not, when they need a big play from their tight end in the clutch, they're going to David Njoku, right? I mean, that's not how it should be. And I, I'm saying that it, it has to be that way because Austin Hooper 
for whatever reason, and Baker Mayfield haven't turned into Matt Ryan and Austin Hooper, or even Baker Mayfield and David Njoku to a, to a certain extent. But that's been a disappointment. He should be having a much more productive season. Yeah, for, you're right. For the money he's making, he needs to be one of those guys. It's just a nightmare right. for, for a defensive coordinator. Okay, I thought this was an interesting question. And obviously there's five games left. And a lot can happen. And we saw, I mean, we saw yesterday how wide open this thing is. But, you know, last year after the Kansas City game, we, we kind of all got into it in the post-game show about how much of a missed opportunity that was when Patrick Mahomes got hurt. Mm-hmm. So Tom from Middlebury, Connecticut is asking this. Hey, Mary Kay, how much of a missed opportunity do you see this, see this season given where the rest of the AFC North is? Given quarterbacks in the division, it may be many years before the Browns have another season where the three other teams are as down as they are. So I guess we're spinning this forward a little bit. Because obviously, like, like we said, the Browns are still in this thing. They have three division games left. Um, you know, we, we see the flaws in the other teams. We also see the flaws in the Browns. But if they don't take advantage over these next five games, if they don't win the division or if they miss the playoffs, how big of a missed opportunity is it considering that, you know, Cincinnati seems like they aren't quite ready yet. Baltimore is banged up and hanging on by a thread. You know, Pittsburgh is grinding out these wins somehow with Ben Roethlisberger. You know, I, I don't know how they're rolling him out on that field every week, but they get him out there and he makes a play or two a game. This could go down as a big missed opportunity if the Browns don't take advantage of this. I absolutely 100% agree with you. I think this will be a huge missed opportunity uh, because of all of those things that you just mentioned and the fact that, I mean, the Browns are right in, in the prime of everyone's career. I mean, I think they felt like this probably would be the last season that Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. were going to be together, but let's run it back one more time and try to see if they can't get them to the Super Bowl with them. Um, so I think, you know, the defense, all these guys are in their prime. They brought all these free agents in. And so I, I think it will be a huge missed opportunity if they don't pull it off. Now, Having said that, even though a lot of people think I'm crazy for feeling this way, when I watch the other teams play, even just watching games yesterday, I, I, I kept thinking, they can't, if they can get it together, they can pull it off, as crazy as, as it seems. They can pull it off. There should be no reason why they cannot beat the Ravens on Sunday. They should be able to beat the Ravens with the defense they have and the offensive weapons they have, because this is almost in some cases, the Ravens B team. There are so many Ravens. Now there are, there there will be like 16 Ravens players on injured reserve, including some of their key, key players. So there's an opportunity there. The Cincinnati Bengals. I don't know. I mean, I feel like for whatever reason, the Browns might just match up well against the Bengals. They might just, you know, position for by position, they might match up well against them. They might be able to, to handle the Jamar chases like they did the first time and the T Higgins and those guys. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see, but um, you know, I know those guys are going to be extremely, extremely motivated to beat the Browns, obviously. Um, But I think the Browns can beat them again. You know, the Steelers, I'll tell you what, 
the Steelers, and we've talked about this, in Heinz Field, in Ben Roethlisberger's last game, let's be honest about this, even though he's not really fully admitting it yet, that is probably going to be his last game in Heinz Field. I don't think they want him going out the way that the Browns kicked their butts in that wild card game last year. I think everybody, I think there's going to be a lot of emotion in that stadium. I think there's going to be a lot of energy in that stadium. I think if, if everybody's healthy, that was healthy yesterday uh, playing against the Ravens. If T, I mean, TJ Watt, come on, TJ Watt. Are you kidding me? I mean, like he's amazing. So if they are healthy and they're on their game, they're, they're a team that can beat the Browns in that second last game of the season in Pittsburgh. That's going to be a tough one. So I almost think that those would be those. Now I, I'm almost starting to think are going to be that. And we did, we asked this on the pod the other day, but after watching yesterday and watching the Steelers kind of put it together defensively, um, that game could be the one in addition to the Packers game that gives them the most fits. I think they're going to beat the Ravens on Sunday. I think they're going to beat the Ravens unless Lamar Jackson just puts that Superman cape on and gets it together. He's been in a slump. He's been in a slump and he was lucky. He knows he was lucky to beat the Browns. And, you know, that, that was a heck of a drive. That was a heck of what would have been the game winning drive yesterday. But uh, I think they're beatable. And I think the Bengals are beatable. And I think the Raiders are beatable. So as crazy as it sounds, there's a possibility the Browns can go four and one. Now, Dan, you and I talked about this before we came on the pod. <laughs> You're a little bit more skeptical. You're skeptical. And I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but I think it can happen. So tell me what you think. I, I think, it can, look, on paper, it absolutely can. I think the AFC North is not a good division. Right. I, I mean, I know it's easy to look at the records and be like, oh, everybody's six and six or better. I, this, I just, I don't think this is a division that stacks up against the best teams in the NFL. Now it doesn't, when the postseason comes, it's one and done. It doesn't matter. Like you count up your wins, whoever, whoever has the most wins gets in. And then it's all about matchups from there. So who knows? But yeah, I mean, it, it's right there in front of them. It's they want to go get it. I'm just worried, you know, the, the, and I actually went back and looked at this today. Um, the parallel I have, and it's not an exact parallel because things are different. 2019 was a disaster on so many levels and they didn't have miles after that, that Pittsburgh game, but I, I got thinking about the 2019 Browns and, you know, remember they got off to that really awful start, but then they won three games in a row. They beat Buffalo, they beat Pittsburgh on Thursday night and they beat Miami. And it looked like they got to five and six. And it was like, okay, look at the rest of their schedule. Let's count them up. They're going to beat Pittsburgh with Duck Hodges. They're going to beat the Bengals twice. They're going to beat the Cardinals. If you remember, the Cardinals were not good that year. They won, I think they had two or three wins before they played the Browns in, in week 15. You know, they had already beaten the Ravens 40 to 25 that year. And, and that was a real iffy game. But you, you started counting up the wins on paper. And it was like, all right, they're going to do this. They're somehow this team, as bad as it's been, is going to sneak into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And it just, it didn't happen. They went and they lost to Pittsburgh. They lost to the Cardinals. The Ravens smoked them. And then, then they ended up losing one of those two games to the Bengals too, after it was all over. And I, and I, I say this carefully because it's not Freddie Kitchens. Like, you know, go back and listen to Friday's pod to hear what I think of Kevin Stefanski. I, I just feel that way about this team. Like, I think it's, 
I think we can sit here and look at this schedule and say, okay, they, they should beat Baltimore because I think I agree with you. They should beat the, they're better than the Raiders right now. Mm-hmm. They can beat Pittsburgh. They, they can beat Cincinnati. I don't know about this Packers game. We'll see. I mean, so there we go. I just counted it to four and one. So, mm-hmm. so it's completely possible. I just don't, something's going to happen. They're going to slip up somewhere. I, I, I just don't believe they're capable of doing it. And you know what? On January 10th, maybe they're going to be able to just take victory laps all around me saying that. Well, you're right. I mean, it could go either way. We don't know the team that's going to come out of the bye yet. For some reason, the Browns sound extremely, supremely confident that they think Baker Mayfield is going to play his best ball down the stretch. I don't know why they feel like that. I honestly don't know why they feel like that. The only thing that I can like really hang my hat on with that is the fact that Kareem is going to be back and so much better. And a, a really good Kareem, I think, is going to make a huge difference if they use him a lot. Sometimes, uh, you know, you think they're going to use him a lot and they don't, but I think they have to now. I mean, I, I think they are going to have to do that. And I think a really good Kareem is going to make a huge difference. And then the other reason why I think I think it can be done is, um, is because the defense has figured out how to take the ball away. They're getting their takeaway game down. Those guys have come together to the point where they're jumping routes. They're, they're getting interceptions and um, you know, they're forcing, they're forcing some fumbles and, uh, and they are just playing so much better defensively. And I think that's only going to get better. I feel like that's going to get better because now JOK is back and he's going to be so good blitzing and wreaking havoc. I think Grant Delpit's getting better. All the guys in the secondary are getting better. John Johnson three has figured out his role and where he fits into the plan. Denzel Ward has somehow figured out how to get picks. Um, So I really think that defensively they're going to be the difference and they're going to be able to get those takeaways, which may mean all the difference in the world and set Baker Mayfield up with good field position and give him the support that he needs. He needs a short field. He needs everything to go right. But I think the defense and the running game could just be enough to do it. And the only thing that I think will, that could derail it in each one of these games, if you take them separately, is if the teams that have really good pass rushers and good blitzers, if those teams can get to Baker Mayfield, those are the games where the Browns will struggle. But if you don't have that, then I think they'll be fine. Yeah. Well, and, and again, they're better coached than they were in 2019. Their defense is better. They're, they're a better football team, all just all around than they were then. But at the same time, they're also a team that scored, I, I think it's more than 17 points twice since week four. Right. I know. It, it's, it's just, it's puzzling. It's, it, I think that's what's so frustrating is like we all see that potential there. And it just, yeah. for whatever reason, and it's multiple reasons, it just has not happened. No, it, it hasn't happened and it is puzzling, but uh, what do you think now about, and I answered differently, part of it was for the sake of argument, but when we did our pod last week and we talked about which game besides the Packers game, do you think that uh, they are most likely to lose? And um, Ashley started out by saying the Steelers and then again, just kind of partially for sake of just mixing it up a little bit. Uh, I mentioned the Bengals because I thought, you know, that those guys are, they are going to be extremely motivated uh, to try to get into the playoffs and they're the Brown, they have, you know, they were 
crushed by the Browns in the first meeting and they're going to want to get a little revenge and, you know, plant their flag in this AFC North and, and prove that they're for real. Uh, but they're struggling right now. And also Joe Burrow has some kind of a mangled finger or something or a mangled something. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, sometimes that's all it takes. I mean, if you've got a little bit of, if you got a broken finger, well, forget it. You're not going to be who you were. So, um, so now I, I actually am kind of thinking that, uh, that the Steelers might be the team that could possibly cross them up. I mean, how much would Ben Roethlisberger love to try to keep the Browns out of the playoffs as one of his final acts in, in a Steelers uniform? I mean, he would love that. I mean, that would be, I mean, right. Go ahead. I've, I've been telling people about that game for probably a month. Mm-hmm. Like big Ben's last game in Heinz field is going to be against the Browns on Monday night football. And yesterday mm-hmm. really drove it home that like, can't you close your eyes and just hear that stupid horn blaring on third down mm-hmm. renegade. And like that, that place gets so loud. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's one of the best home field advantages in football, especially in night games. And like that has to be near the top of the list. But I mean, your season is kind of Sunday. Yes. I think that's kind of like, if you come out and lay an egg on Sunday, you're done. Not, right. not like officially, but like, it's, it's going to be hard to argue anything else. So, you know, I, but yeah, I think that Pittsburgh game, especially if, if it becomes official that, Hey, this is big Ben's final game at Heinz field. Yeah. It, it could get really ugly. Yeah, and <laughs> now, I don't know ben. how much big Ben can dig deep. I don't know what he can dig deep and pull out but he could pull out enough to at least kind of have that last Ben iconic moment. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's got some good receivers and he's got a good running back. And, and once again, I think it would be their defense having to rise to the occasion like they did yesterday. I mean, if TJ Watt is feeling fairly healthy by that game and you've got TJ and you've got Minka and Joe Hayden and Cam Hayward, you know, and they're all and they're all playing for Ben. And they're all playing for Ben. And you have that energy and that emotion in that stadium. And maybe by then they kind of let it be known that this is Ben's last game in Heinz Field so that the fans can, you know, honor him and, and celebrate the moment. Then um, you know, that that could be a, a tough evening there on, on Monday night football. I mean, that that could be tough. So yeah, it's, it's what an unbelievable five games coming up with three division games. I mean, just the way that it is set up so dramatic. I mean, it's just going to be a wild dramatic finish, including that last week, that 17th or 18th week, they call it. But the season finale, uh, when the AFC North four teams are all playing each other. And I mean, it could come down to, I, I remember we've, I've been saying, you know, since the schedule came out that these two back-to-back games against the Ravens would probably determine the Browns fate. And I, to a certain degree, I still feel that way, but it could very well from a mathematical standpoint, go all the way down to that final game. That's what the NFL wants yep. <laughs> that post Thanksgiving race to the playoffs. And they've got an extra week of it now. All right, there we go. Our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Back to a normal schedule this week. 
uh, as we get ready for that huge game at First Energy Stadium on Sunday. So uh, make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to your podcast and leave us some five-star reviews. We've seen some nice ones come through, so keep doing that. Leave us good five-star reviews. We like reading them. And uh, also make sure you're a football insider subscriber, cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Mary Kate, I will talk to you later. Sounds great.